Hey, good morning. It's a privilege to be with you this morning. My name is Keith Jenkins. I pastor a church in the wonderful city of Gresham, Oregon called East Hill. And uh, I just want to thank God right out of the gate for the technology that allows us to gather together through online streaming. Can you give the Lord a big shout out for that? Come on. So also, uh, I just want to say that I love your pastors, love Russell, love Anna, and would love to come to Brooklyn to see what's going on. Uh, love to be with you there. But uh, under the circumstances, we get to meet this way. So look. Thanks for what you do. Thanks for being the community of faith that you are. Hey, grace to you all. Let's get started this morning. And uh, if you're going to be reading along with me through your Bible, you have an app, a, you know, an iPad, a tablet, whatever you got, open your Bible up to Philippians chapter 2 and put your finger there. We used to put our fingers in Bibles. Um, but, but however you would tab it, just tab it for a second and we'll get there. I don't know if you've noticed or not, but everything about following Jesus runs absolutely contrary to what we've seen, learned, and been taught by our culture. The verses that we're about to read literally run contrary to everything we've been exposed to or we will be exposed to on a daily basis. And quite frankly, without the Spirit's empowerment and enablement, we would not be able to make these verses wear flesh in our everyday, everyday lives. So, so listen, we've been born again, which means spiritually being brought back from the dead. And, and sort of, if he, Paul writes about this in Ephesians chapter 2, and let's look at the first five verses. In verse 1 it says, As for you, you were dead in your transgressions and sins, in which you used to live when you followed the ways of this world and of the ruler of the kingdom of the air the spirit who is now at work in those who are disobedient. Verse three, all of us also lived among them at one time, gratifying the cravings of our flesh and following in its desires and thoughts. Like the rest, we were by nature deserving of wrath. But God, can everybody say, but God? But God, because of his great love for us, who is rich in mercy, made us alive with Christ, even when we were dead in transgressions. It is by grace you have been saved. The obvious question would be is why has God done all this? Ephesians 2 and 15 says his purpose was to create in himself one new humanity. See, Paul dives right into the middle of the ethnic divide between the nation of Israel or the Jews and everyone else, the Gentiles. And so Jews, as God's chosen people, became very prideful and exclusive and lost sight of being the fact that they were called and chosen to be a blessing to all of the nations of the world. They began to look down their noses on other nations. And we all have the same propensity. So in our brokenness, we tend to look down on others and lift ourselves up for a myriad of reasons. But in Christ, all that would divide us has been abolished. And in Christ, we learn, as it was said, a new way of being and human being then we collectively, as the church, form a contrast community. One of our chief distinguishing characteristics as the people of God is our love for one another. Not our arguments, not our doctrines, not our creeds. No, it's our love for one another that people see and the love that we have and share with our neighbors. It's not, I promise you, our political affiliation. John chapter 13 and 35 says this, By this everyone will know that you are my disciples, Jesus says, if you love one another. And then he talks about the quality of that love in John chapter 15. My command in verse 12 is this, love each other as I have loved you. So 
I want to take a walk with that in mind. I want you to think about love being self-sacrificing, giving of oneself over for another. And so let's take a walk through a couple of verses this morning. You should have already opened to Philippians chapter two. So let's dive in right at verse three and four. It says this, do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit, but rather in humility, value others above yourselves, not looking to your own interests, but each of you to the interests of others. So self-ambition, the number one goal is self-promotion for most of us, to elevate ourselves or myself or my brand or, or my business. And so this idea of self-promotion sort of seeps in to all of our relationships and engagements with one another. Then he says, be on guard or beware of vain conceit as well, excessive pride as it were, and being only interested in what concerns you. My grandmother used to say it this way. She said, she would say, you're full of yourself. And by saying that, what she was saying is, is that you are, you are so prideful, so egotistical, so full of your own self-interest that you are full literally of self. So when you're full of self, there is no room for anyone else. There's no room for their interests. We only concern ourselves with what pleases us, what we want to do, our priorities, our goals, and our agenda. This is completely contrary to what Jesus modeled. Jesus, on the other, on the other side of that equation, was selfless and self-sacrificing, building others up and preferring them over himself. And this is what Paul is calling us to do. If you really even think about it, in the incarnation of Jesus, he is emptying himself, Scripture says, of his privileges and his rights. Could you imagine for a moment, just stop for a minute, could you imagine as an American how contrasting it would be to find a group of people who weren't self-promoting, who weren't, you know, lifting themselves up, but they were preferring and deferring to other people, and they were loving one another the way that Jesus talked about. How, how attractive would that be in our culture right now? And, and could you imagine the implications of verse 4 on our relationships in our country when, when we are literally practicing how not to be first, but to place ourselves purposefully as second? Could you imagine what the business community would look like? Or, here's one, what about race relations? Verse 4 says this, don't look out only for your own interests, but take an interest in others. So, doesn't matter what I'm interested in, the things that concern me, I want to make sure that I bring somebody else's interests in front of my own. What would that look like? Putting yourself aside, helping others get ahead, looking out for their interests and looking out for them, opening doors for them, giving them opportunities that you would and could take for yourself, but you're deferring all of that to them. Verse five says this, in your relationships with one another, have the same mindset as Christ Jesus, who, being in the very nature of God, verse 6, did not consider equality with God something to be used to his own advantage. Rather, he made himself nothing by taking the very nature of a servant and being made in the likeness and the being found in, in appearance as a man, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to death, even the death on the cross. Now listen. Jesus laid aside his rights and privileges, personal ambitions, and, and the scripture says, made himself nothing. Stop for a minute. W what if you didn't matter so much? What if your opinions and your viewpoints didn't 
matter so much. Let's think about it. What, what, if, what if when you came into a room, you didn't have to announce yourself to everybody? What if, what if when you came in, it was about other people, it was about them, and, and that you literally didn't matter? You didn't get the last word in every argument either. Like, you really didn't matter that much. <laughs> that Jesus could matter more. Or well, watch this, maybe other people could matter more. Says he came as a servant. He's a different kind of ruler, isn't he? A new ambition for you and I is not to serve or to be served, but to serve others. Wouldn't that be an ambition? There's not very many people that you find that are clamoring to try to be a servant to other people. And when we find those people, we love them, we hold on to them. They make us feel so good and they're always interested in making us comfortable or, or making sure that, that the hospitality is to our liking. But isn't it funny that, that sometimes we find ourselves wanting to be served and not trying to find the, the way down to serve other people? When, when I say down, I mean like our king. Our king washed feet, sacrificed his life so that others could live, preferring them over his own agenda, his own safety, his own well-being. The Bible also says that he humbled himself even to die one of the most shameful deaths known to man at that time. And all of this, we find Jesus emptying himself, but, but most of the time we're trying to fill ourselves with power and position, and we tend to use our power, position, and privilege for our own benefit, whatever benefits us best. And this is, unfortunately, it has become the American way. And you and I, as Christians, are to live a different way. We're to follow the ways of Jesus. And by contrast, Jesus leveraged all that he was for the benefit of other people and to the point of placing himself in peril for their benefit. His power was not used for self-interest and self-preservation. Well, self-promotion was used for others. Listen, listen to what verse 9 says. It says, therefore God exalted him to the highest place and gave him the name that is above every name, that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and every tongue acknowledge that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Wow, what a, what a thought. So we're following the footsteps of Jesus through this portion of Scripture, and, and the way up or the way to promotion and exaltation is through emptying yourself of your own privilege. It is through serving other people. It is through self-sacrifice that promotion and exaltation come in the kingdom. Completely different. But it's not us who gets that glory. It's not, it's not you and I. That, becomes, that, that doesn't become our ambition and our aim. What, what we want is we want what Jesus did, and that's that all of the glory be given to God. And we can say of our lives that, that if any good thing came from us, it's because of the grace of God. To him be the glory for the good things that he's done through, in, and through our lives. Literally, we climb down. We decrease so that others may go first. We don't shout our opinions out. We're not, listen, I, I like the thumb thugs on social media, getting after people and wanting their thoughts known and, and challenging everybody. That's not the way of the kingdom. And that's not to mean that you can't utilize your, your right to freedom of speech. It is that when you start considering what you say and how you treat other people, that we're, we're recognizing that we're representatives of the kingdom of God. We're representatives of our Father's heart and his love for humanity. And so therefore, we go about loving one another, emptying self, laying our own interests aside so that others 
may um, be exalted. So we derive a new kind of joy and a new kind of satisfaction. We receive joy by watching others flourish and not so much our own selves. The Bible says it's better to give than it is to receive. I, I can tell you right now, I'm a grandfather and a father. I've got three children. I know I don't look like it because black don't crack. Hello, somebody. I'm, I'm 54 years old, got a grandbaby, three adult children. And I can just tell you that it feels so good to give to them and to watch them succeed. I take greater joy in putting them in position and allowing them to go first and watching them excel. I, but, but you know what I found also after 30 years of being in ministry? That it's the same with people. I love to watch young leaders come up, people young and old, to be honest with you, that don't think much of themselves and that I can begin to speak encouragement in life and give them opportunities and use my platform to allow them to flourish. That gives me such joy, even more joy than seeing myself in those same positions. Listen, the Lord in due season will exalt you. He will. There's nothing that can stop what is coming to you from the Lord. So, but if we don't, we don't have to strive after it. We're not pulling others down. We're not climbing over others. We're not having to assert ourselves, be the loudest person in the room, be the most obnoxious. We don't have to do any of that. But in humility and service and self-sacrifice, the Lord sees that. And he says, I'll lift you up in due season. The kingdom's advancement then, not our own advancement, not our own promotion, the kingdom's advancement becomes our goal. Making the Lord's name known and the salvation he alone offers through his son, Jesus, through our character and the way we live and the way we speak and the way we communicate, the way we vote, the way we treat our enemies, the way we treat people that oppose us, all says something about whose we are. I have to be very careful in these days to make sure, because there's a lot of things in our culture. As you can tell, I'm an African-American and I have a certain journey through our life. And so we, have, we face this cultural moment right now. And I've got to literally, at times, bridle my own emotions. And you say, well, no, you need to give full vent. No, because there's something greater at stake here than me getting my opinions out. You say, well, what's greater than that? The kingdom of God, reconciliation is greater than me being right. See, listen, I don't want to be vindicated. I want us reconciled. I want us all to become one again. And one of the, one of the things that's been asked of me over and over again is what can we do? What should we do? And this text is, is literally, if we could embody the self-sacrificing nature of Jesus, it would help us to achieve reconciliation as the people of God, and literally to be catalysts and bridges. And we could then turn adversaries into advocates for justice. But, but it's very difficult to do that when we're asserting ourselves and banging on doors and, and, and that type of thing. Jesus, if you watch the way that he demonstrates power, I love what Dr. Willie Jennings says about power. He says that our power through Pentecost, the power of the church, is not power over people, but it's power for people. And as we empty ourselves out for the benefit of others, Jesus, just as Jesus has done for us, we are exalted, they are exalted, gaps are closed, healing comes, restoration comes, dare I say reconciliation comes as well. As we follow Jesus, we're learning a new way to be human, isn't that right? Selfless, self-sacrificing, humble, preferring others, emptying ourselves of vain ambition, emptying ourselves of self-interest, because some of us, like my grandmother said, are too full of ourselves. 
when we start looking out for the interests of other people and putting them before we put ourselves. And all of a sudden, we get together in this, this thing called the church. Collectively, we become this new humanity, contrast community, the church, positioned and empowered for reconciliation. Our world needs for us to embody the teachings of Jesus, not just reading them. Like never before, we need to really make sure we are wearing, putting on Christ, as Paul says in Ephesians chapter 4, that we're putting on Christ every day, that we're walking in the fruit of God's Spirit when we're engaging with one another, especially with those who are obnoxious, especially with those who disagree with us. <laughs> For goodness sakes, I've been married 32 years. I have intense fellowship with my wife on a regular basis. So disagreeing doesn't mean we vilify one another, that we're cruel, harsh, and offensive. I can disagree and still be loving. I can disagree and still do it in an agreeable, sane way, which is not what we see in the public square. But you, the resurrected people of God, you can embody something that they can't through the spirit of the Lord. And as we move in, this subversive kingdom of God begins to take shape and form in places as we go in in the, sec, in the square, in the public square. Listen, I love you. I appreciate what you're doing. I appreciate the work of God that he's doing in your city. So here's what I want to say. I'm going to see you real soon. And when I do, we're going to get some good food. We're going to hang out, do the things that we do. But until then, wear the gospel. Make it wear flesh in your community, especially with those who disagree. Live a selfless life in Christ. Amen? Love you.